Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Some say confession is good for the soul. This may be true, but is it good for a church? Let's talk with Lincoln Steed about confessionals and where and when they are appropriate. Lincoln is editor of Liberty Magazine, and I have a feeling that today's topic carries with it some religious liberty undertones. Lincoln, the time is yours. I don't think any of us living in uh, the Western world in this time period could be unaware of the uh, the scandal in the Roman Catholic Church, mm. the uh, to use an almost misleading term, the priestly abuse. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I must admit personally, I don't quite understand how that entire religious organization has largely sailed above uh, this thing. It would have destroyed uh, lesser organizations, mm-hmm. religious or secular. Mm-hmm. They do some things to deal with it. And the last two popes, I think, have been very open in their statements about it, whether administratively they're really... Uh, dealt with it? I don't think so, because what we hear a lot of uh, priests, the the Catholic Church itself becomes aware of, they're indulging in abuse, they're reprimanded internally and then shuffled off to another diocese. Mm -hmm. But when it comes out in the open, the Catholic Church will not turn them over to the authorities. And it's uh, on one level, this is a continuation of an old stance of the Catholic Church that goes back even to pr- well before Reformation times, where they would not acknowledge the rights of civil courts to try priests. Mm-hmm. But for our discussion today, we want to look at it on the basis of religious liberty and protecting the church from the power of the state. Mm-hmm. So while there are mm-hmm. echoes that I think the Catholic Church itself is following through on and has a larger agenda for all of us that believe in religious freedom. We should be very careful before we allow the state the right to uh, come rampaging into the, the figuratively, come rampaging into the uh, the temple and drag the priests out <laughs> and put them to the grill to force them to tell what they know. Now, you made this point just recently in another program. You said that, you know, there's there's the, there's the governmental uh, religious liberty issues, and then there's internal religious liberty issues, and the two of them should not blend. So isn't the Catholic Church on the right track by saying, we will take care of our own? You guys keep your nose out of my church business? Well... No, I think they're on the wrong track as an organization Hmm. in holding that stance because to be responsible to recognize that there are civil crimes, because religion understands that, and that society would be well served to deliver up a criminal within their midst if the church delivered them up. Okay. No, there's nothing wrong with the church handing them over if they are indeed a criminal, and as long as that civil crime is not committed in the service of God. Like, for example, in a communist country, persisting in your faith and and doing certain things as a religionist would make you a civil criminal. But, Mm -hmm. of course, the church would protect you against that, but not against harming minors and and murder and mayhem, all of those sort of things. Religious law is opposed to those two. But the, the issue at hand was one that I've thought about before, but it came to me in a letter from a circuit court judge that I just received this week. And he sent me, without any comment, the uh, transcript of a trial that involved uh, the Catholic Church and a priest 
who had, uh, and I won't go into the details because I don't think it's really good to give names and places mm. and people. It was a young girl that this priest had been accused of molesting mm. and it was coming up before the court. And the church wanted information on it. And to me, it's a little bit of a twist on the normal, but at root was the issue of the confessional. Now, the confessional is a construct of the Catholic Church that I theologically don't agree with. Mm -hmm. The Bible is very plain that, that I'm to confess before God. Theologically, they think the priest can act as the conduit to God and, and he's sort of the uh, necessary uh, element to bucket brigade it on up. Mm -hmm. uh, that's theologically suspect to me. But, however, there's a sacred trust when that person tells their sins and foibles and errors privately to a priest and it's supposed to be going straight to heaven it's not for human consumption mm -hmm. and over the years that's been challenged quite a bit if the priest is told of some illegal act is he obligated to tell the authorities so far not and and this case at great length underscored that it's still protected even though there's a huge illegality taking place if uh, you and, and my listeners will indulge me I want, to, I want to read about what one of the priests said when he was asked to share what he was told, I think, by the other priest in confessional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He says, were I summoned to give evidence as a private individual, he says, in which capacity I declare most solemnly I know nothing relative to the case before the court, and to testify from those ordinary sources of information from which the witnesses present have derived theirs, I should not for a moment hesitate and should even deem it a duty of conscience to declare whatever knowledge I might have, hmm. as it cannot but be in the recollection of the same honourable court. I did not long since on a different occasion, because my holy religion teaches and commands me to subject to the higher powers in civil matters. I think he got it right. Yes. And to respect and obey them. But if called upon to testify in quality of a minister of a sacrament, in which my God himself has enjoined on me a perpetual and inviolable secrecy, I must declare to this honourable court that I cannot, I must not answer any question which has a bearing upon the restitution in question, and that it would be my duty to prefer instantaneous death or any temporal misfortune rather than disclose the name of the penitent in question. My, my. For were I to act otherwise, I should become a traitor to my church, to my sacred ministry, and to my God. In fine, I should render myself guilty of eternal damnation. That's a wonderful statement of commitment, <laughs> even to a wrong theology. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> When did this trial take place, Lincoln? When did this trial take place? It was in the 1800s. Oh, I was going to say, that's pretty high language for today. All right. Okay. I know, I know. <laughs> but it's been played out a lot recently. Yes, yes. I mean, and, and, and he gave me the full transcript from, uh, from a, a legal source, and it's a little hard to read because there's a, there's a form that you get these things in, but it's about yeah. 20 pages. Wow. You know, I've thought about it a little more, and I think where it gets complicated is one priest protecting another when, mm. when he's confessed to another priest. I don't think it's nearly as complicated when a parishioner comes to a priest because there he has that sacred trust. Mm -hmm. But within the system, I think other factors enter in. But we need to keep this in mind. And, you know, I'm not here to per se defend the Roman Catholic Church because I think uh, this moral phenomenon that they are particularly exemplifying and it, or immoral phenomenon, yes. I mean, it's not confined to Roman Catholicism, but it, it seems to me endemic, as we're discovering, to the priestly system. 
But, you know, I'm not defending them per se, but buried within, and now most obvious in this case, is a real principle where we must not allow the state to demand things of the church that it's not spiritually even authorized to give. Mm. That's an enforcement of civil commands that is way beyond. Now, I think the error here is that people shouldn't be confessing grand sins to another human being. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) So they are indeed substituting for God. But God is not going to, uh, you know, shout our sins to the whole world. He says he's put them in the bottom of the sea. That's right. They'll rise up no more when we confess before him. That's right. So the church understands that principle. And also with the, uh, you know, really going back in time in the Bible to the cities of refuge and so on, it was obvious that there were civil penalties for certain things. And while the church could shield you from random or or unthinking civil uh, consequences, if you truly were a murderer, then you you know you would have to bear the burden. Yeah. God would not shield you from from consequences there. But I, I do think on this confessional issue, while we all would love to see full justice done on on the priestly abuse situation, to tear down the sanctity of the confessional would do no one any favors and would harm the entire separation of church and state and protection of conscience that we've uh, so enjoyed in particular in the United States. Lincoln, do you know that you're defending something you just said that wasn't biblical? I mean, you said that the whole confessional system, the, the, the talking to the priest and everything, is not biblical, yet you're defending it. How can you do that? Well, no, I'm defending the separateness from civil uh, control. You have to, Well, think about that. We do this all the time. And thank you for raising that question because it gives me a chance to say it again. The fact that I insist on full religious freedom for Muslims, for Buddhists, for uh, uh, even uh, divergent so-called Protestant views like Mormons and so on, doesn't for a moment mean that I believe their principles or their theology. In fact, by definition, most all of them except my own, I think, are horribly erroneous, and some even maybe another gospel, another in a lying spirit. But everybody should have the right to uh, make their own way spiritually unhindered by man and state. That's what I wanted you to say. That's exactly what I wanted you to say. You have identified the true underlying foundation stone of religious liberty. Absolutely. And that is an aspect of it that very few people get, in my view. Like I said, I think at the outset, if not this, another program. No one's against religious liberty, Mm -hmm. but they define it differently, and it usually lies more in freedom for my view and similar ones, but not for those heretics or or Satanists over there. And put another way, of course, religious liberty relates to religion, but it's very much tied up to civil liberty and and liberty of conscience generally, which, of course, lay behind the the American Revolution and the French Revolution in spite of its violence and so on. You know, uh, human self-determination and and the, the rights of the individual, these are a transcendent special thing that have not been recognized through much of Earth's history certainly Western history, and it's been a precious little time that we've seen that, and and we need to guard it, or we'll drift to a new social dark age, I think. Mm, My. That's a tough lesson for us to learn, Lincoln. I'll have to say that's a tough one, for us to have enough care and enough strength and enough fortitude to accept what we consider to be error and allow it with love 
simply because someone else believes it. And as long as it's not breaking a civil law, we should just stand by and let it happen. And that's tough for us to do. But you know what? That's the kind of love God has for us. So we should be godlike and do the same thing, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And in fact, there are some civil laws that we should even uh, challenge in regard to religious liberty. For example, mm. a civil law that sent the Jews to the gas chambers. That's true. That's uh, true. More Christians should have objected to that. Yes. But generally speaking, the, the way you expressed it and consistent with what I just said before is correct. We defend all people, and they're only bound by our common civil laws of decency and morality and, and of civil protection. Mm. Well, Lincoln, our time is up, and I want to thank you for bringing these issues to mind. Uh, we have to work hard sometimes to have the kind of religious liberty within our hearts that we can share with others. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.